Welcome to Income for Baby Boomers. If you want to learn about exciting new businesses each week from other boomers who speak your language and have started a unique and profitable business from home, you have come to the right place. For those who would like to try some of these low investment opportunities, stay tuned. We'll help you get started in your own profitable adventure. Now with your host and entrepreneur, Ken Queen. I'd like to welcome Gary Bizzo, writer of How to Start a Successful Business the First Time. Gary, where was your book 40 years ago when I needed it? <laughs> yeah, right, Ken. It took me 40 years to write it, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Could we go back and just get, I know you're from New Brunswick originally, but could we go back and just see where you first, you were bitten by the entrepreneur bug and where you, you know, started to, I mean, did you have the classic selling Kool-Aid stand or something or how far back does it go? Actually, uh, I think around 12 years old, I got a camera. I borrowed a camera from a friend and fell in love with photography. So that sort of became my hobby for the next 15 years. And over those 15 years, it, it sort of morphed into a business. Oh, okay. And photography back then was expensive. Uh, like that's, now. Why I, that's why I borrowed a camera for the first couple of years. <laughs> okay. All right. I was active in promoting uh, photography uh, development of film at one time. That's, that's why I have an interest there myself. But So what age or what point did the photography morph into something that started making you some money? Well, funny enough, I uh, I had a midlife crisis at 30. and uh, oh, You had yours early. <laughs> yeah, I was a, a high-powered hostage negotiator for the federal government for uh, oh, oh. a parole officer. I had the opportunity to buy a, a really cool camera, one of those ones that you, uh, it's called a view camera, and it, you put a cloth over your head and you peer through this uh, box, like the old days. Wow. But it was, <laughs> yeah, but it was, an, it was a brand new camera, and uh, uh -huh. I, I traded it for my prized possession, which was a Fender guitar. Probably if I kept that guitar, it'd be worth 50000 now, but uh, it was a good what's deal. The what's, what's the camera worth? <laughs> About 20 bucks. Oh. <laughs> but it was a bad trade. Okay. <laughs> but the thing is, you made that photography business into something where the Fender might have been more of a hobby. Uh, yeah, because I still play guitar, but I'm never going to be any good at it. So you Okay, so you're, you're not going to start giving any guitar lessons or anything? No. No. <laughs> no. All right, so so you you have that camera, and, and what did you figure out to to try to make money with it? What did you do? Well, I I had been taking portraits for uh, a few years, and finally got real serious about it when I hit thirty, and uh, opened up. Um, I I rented a warehouse which was about seven thousand square feet, and all that was in it was a desk, a camera, and a light. <laughs> It sounds like a lot of space there. Yeah, and I, I sat down and at my desk every day and thought, where's everybody? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody ever showed up. No one came. <laughs> Nobody came ever. It was, uh, I kept except, it. Except, except the rental check, or the rental bill, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> it came. Yeah, it was crazy, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I was fulfilling a dream, and I, I kept it for a good year. I, right. I don't think I ever had anything happen in there. It was just a a place to call my office. You know what I mean? 
Uh-huh. <laughs> well, back then, you know, uh, if you didn't have an office, you were you were just a, a hack working from home. Right. right. Boy, those days have changed, eh? Uh-huh. Now it's the other way around, almost. Yeah, now if you have an office, <laughs> you're an idiot. <laughs> oh, God. So at some point during that time, you oh, did you do the photography there? Did you go on site, or how, what, what did you do with the... Yeah, I was a commercial. I specialized in commercial stuff, so I I would uh, go to corporations and, and business and, you know, do all the advertising and stuff there. All right. Eventually, I, I did get a... A big studio downtown Vancouver, but uh, you know that was that was years later. So, how did you first monetize it? What did uh, uh, how did you get those first checks? What did you what did you do to do that? Well, you got no track record at that point, and so you know you have to break in. What are you What are you doing? How are you well, going to do it? I actually have I have T-shirts that I that I give to my clients when I first start coaching them, and it's called. Uh, it's a black T-shirt with big, bold, yellow print on it. it says "Doubt Kills a Warrior." Because uh, nice. When I started photography, I was charging seventy-five bucks an hour, and it's a funny story because uh, I thought that was all. It, that's all I was worth, seventy-five bucks an hour, when the world around me was charging a hundred, hundred and fifty. And one day, uh, I I was asked for a quote by this company, and. Uh, when I did the job, they thought the the quote was for three hours of work, so that was two and a quarter. <laughs> they thought it was two and a quarter an hour, so that that's changed my whole direction. So they helped on, you reset. <laughs> yeah. So because of a mistake, I uh, started charging two twenty five an hour and was getting it. So. So yeah, would you say that's a problem out there? A lot of people underprice their stuff. Is that well? Every well, in, in a thousand plus customers I've had as as a coach, um, I'd say ninety percent of them underestimate their their value, and that's okay. with everybody. It's pretty common. But when you first start out, you're scared, you know. So you just want to get any business, so you'll work for anything, you know, kind of thing. I, I think a lot of people have that feeling. Yeah, and uh, you have to overcome that. You know, there's there's certainly a sweet spot between what your your value is to you and what your value is to uh, someone buying your product or service. That's for sure. Yeah, there's that gap. So, uh, well, let's let's take this business right now. Could someone break into this? photography business that you were doing that knows how to take pictures to some degree is, has a lot of interest is there uh, an opening today for them to make money in this business <laughs> well the thing is I, I got out of it when digital came in so around 2000 I said enough already I'm, I'm out of here right. um, and I've, I've sort of pussed with it over the years because you know it's still in me somewhere and if close friend of mine is actually uh, a photographer. He shoots um, uh, sports teams, like uh, kids' teams. And, you know, he's, he's doing like a million dollars a year with it. Yeah, so there's still some money there then. Well, in his case, you know, his his cost w- probably was two, 300000 a year before when there was film. And now he's reduced his cost down by 
10%. Well, down to 10%. Oh, wow. So it's even better than ever than this field if you do it, if you apply it right. In his case, but a year and a half ago, we decided to start a a commercial photography division of his company. Mm -hmm. And, uh, man, I just couldn't make a go of it. It was uh, the, the prices instead of... Well, by the time I left in 2000, I was charging three fifty four hundred dollars an hour, and um, a year and a half ago when we started, we couldn't get more than a hundred, hundred and a half. Wow! Wow! So it it just wasn't feasible to to have photographers go out there, have salespeople. It, it just didn't make sense anymore. So the answer to your question in a long, a long way of doing it was uh, is I don't think so. Okay, so stay away from this business, this business right now. Okay. Well, the, but now, the, if, the cool if he part, expanded what he was doing to other cities, that would work, right? The, keeping the same format. Yeah, yeah. In his case, I mean, you know, thirty-seven years in business. Uh, you know, he's got a clientele. The competition are are at his heels. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have sort of talked about expanding to other. He he is in five other cities. But okay. we thought of expanding into the U.S. and uh, further east in Canada. But it just, you know, it's a grind. I think he wants to get out of it by now. He's 68 and he's he's tired. Okay, so he'd like to to sell. I, probably is a good time to sell right now. I guess. Yeah, if you know anybody who wants a photography business in Canada for for a few million. <laughs> no, it's not that expensive. No, no. <laughs> Half a million, Ken. Half a million. Half a million. Okay. All right. Well, if any of my listeners like that idea, they'll be calling me or emailing me. Yeah, we'll uh, get a commission here. Well, let, let's let's let me take one of my uh, let's take some of my listeners just just for an example, just to see what we what you do with them, Gary. So, okay, let's take the lowest level of a person. I mean, and I, I don't mean in a negative uh, derogatory way, but sometimes people maybe have been a, a caretaker all their life. And so they really don't feel they have any marketable, you know, uh, knowledge there. But I think they do. But uh, so he wants to. He, he's just been retired. The school fired his butt out of there, and he's uh, he's got to start making some money because the the school pension is is real bad. Uh, what do you recommend for someone like this to do? Well, um, actually, a friend of mine was in that position, and uh, oh. Yeah, funny enough, not at not a school, <laughs> but oh, no, he, but okay, but yeah. Well, he uh, he uh, moved into residential um, apartments and took over uh, managing a an apartment building, just a little three story walk up. But mm-hmm. you know, um, talk about skill sets. I mean, you know, there's there's a lot less maintenance. You know, you have to worry about money sometimes, but you can always. As far as collecting it, I mean, but you can always find a a sweet opportunity based on his skills for doing that. I mean, that that's off the top of my head. That's great. So yeah, a caretaker, he probably did, you know, a different small jobs, which is perfect for managing a building because he might be able to go and fix the leaky tap or whatever's wrong. 
at least the minor stuff, and uh, know what he's doing. And if he doesn't know how to fix it, he knows what the price should be so that <laughs> he doesn't get ripped off, you know, by someone overcharging. So he'd probably be a good asset for apartment building uh, a business. And you know, there's, uh, there's, yeah, that's good. Well, you know, there's other things, um, you know, if he's, if he still has his own home, obviously that's not going to work because most of the caretakers are residential uh, uh, caretakers, right? They actually live there. Okay, so you so you get a free room on top of it. So he could sell his house or whatever he has and move in uh, to a free uh, free rent situation plus pay. Yeah, that's sort of going to the extreme, maybe. Um, I mean, fifty dollars for a business card um, that he could you know, put up in a community center or something and get odd jobs because, you know, a caretaker has to take care of everything, I guess, in a school, you know, fixing everything right. from a boiler down to a a desk, I suppose. So they're, you know, handyman. So there is, no matter where what a person's done, if they've done it for 40 or 50 years, they know something and it's worth something to somebody. Well, it's it's also transferable skills, right? I mean, you know, organization, um, maintenance. Think of the skills that you have uh, after 40 years. Um, you just have to write them down and, and be honest with yourself about what skills you have learned over the, that time. I mean, it's tough being an employee for 40 years. Yeah. I um, haven't done it, but yeah, I imagine it would be. Yeah, I have a hard enough time with five. I think that's my my limit. <laughs> <laughs> I usually something just doesn't work out because I can't answer to other people for very long. I, but I've done it three years once, but that's probably the longest. Usually, uh, it's just months. <laughs> then I realize, oh, wait a minute, I can do this myself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you've got you've got the entrepreneur uh, attitude and philosophy. I'm afraid. Yeah, and which isn't good to, as an employee, but <laughs> can't be can't please everyone, right? <laughs> yeah, it's be your own boss attitude. Let's go to the other extreme. There's people listening right now that say we're a former uh, attorney uh, specializing in tax, but he's never been an entrepreneur. Keep in mind, he's always just hand the business has just been handed to him, uh, you know, all his life. So he's never had to do anything to get business. He's just it does the business, but doesn't you know uh, know how to actually uh, operate an attorney office or whatever. What do you recommend for someone like this that's just retired and uh, even his pension isn't all that great, or at least it's not compared to what he's used to living at? <laughs> Put it that way. Well, well, if there's always room for consultants out there, um, and uh, writing a book. I mean, my. My book is doing pretty good in sales. Um, once I sat down and realized how to do it, it was a lot easier than I thought. But um, he gave me a tough well, one. Let's, there. Well, let, let's just talk about that that book for a minute. So you sat down and wrote that book. Uh, how many pages was it? I, I know uh, the book is a, is a good one, but it's about three hundred pages, I think. So, so 300 pages, and yeah. how long? Uh, how many hours did it take you to? I mean, writing hours. Do you think it took you to write it? Well, here's the here's the deal. I, I've tried to write five books in the past, and they didn't get past page 20. And, okay. And the you reason should have, you should have put out a mini book. 
Well, I was told I should do that, and I said, no, I want to write a book, like a real book. Uh-huh. I want to have a right. paperback. Anyway, uh, um, it finally occurred to me that I, I love writing, and I write a blog, like, every week. Mm-hmm. So why don't I just after, why don't I just think about this and plan my blog so that at the end of the day I can consolidate them and make a book out of it? And that's okay, what I so did. Have a, yeah. Okay. All right. I figured the, the thing was, you know, just write it one page at a time. <laughs> so over the course of a year, I think I can write a blog in about 15 minutes. So, you know, I put about 150, 200 uh, blogs together and I had a book. The hard part, of course, was editing it. So, right. I don't have my calculator here, but uh, I'm just thinking of 15 minutes a page times 300 pages. How many? Uh, Jeez, I don't know. 80, I? 80 hours. 80 hours. Okay. So well, 80 plus, hours. That's great. Well, plus add a couple hundred hours for uh, putting it all together. Okay, so let's say uh, let's say three hundred hours total. Would that be reasonable? Three hundred page book, three hundred hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, no, so depending. Go ahead. Uh, depending on how bad someone wants to get this thing going, and and just let me ask you this question: Some say uh, you need to write a book to become famous, and others say no one's going to read your book until you are famous. What's your take on that? <laughs> Well, I don't think I'd sell, be selling my book if I didn't have quite a following. So Okay, so that helps you. I sort of believe that unless your book is a masterpiece and is published by somebody who is uh, able to get it out there, mm-hmm. and you've got something compelling, innovative, or unique to say, then um, you sort of have to do it the other way. You have to brand yourself first uh, to the point where you know you can sell the book based on your own credentials. Okay. So this attorney, the tax attorney, he probably has a lot of connections. You know, he's had doing it for 40 years. So he may have somewhat of a following, and being such a specialized field, uh, he may be able to charge 10 times for his book that other books, you know, would get. Because he's an attorney and a tax specialist. Uh, in Canadian law, like your Canada's so Canadian law. So his book, he may get $300 for it or something, whenever. I don't know, but. Well, it's, that sounds extreme, but you're right. Um, you know, uh, I can sell my book for 20 bucks on Amazon, but, uh, you know, I've seen books on Amazon for 50 bucks, you know, by, special, okay. by specialists. By specialists, okay. But using your idea here of 300 hours, if you work 30 hours a week and, and did it, I mean, that's a lot of hours of <laughs> writing and editing, I realize, but someone in uh, 10 weeks could reasonably, in three months, let's say, uh, have a book totally finished, ready to go. Uh, like this, this is a tax attorney, for example. Well, if I was to do it over again, I, I could probably do it in in a couple of weeks. Oh, Okay. So if you were over someone's shoulder and this uh, over, say, this tax attorney's shoulder, you could help him to do it in a couple of weeks, maybe. Or yeah, there's another or... there's another company for me. Great, thanks for the idea. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Good. Well, you've already done it, so you've already got you know beaten the pathway. You've you've learned the hard way with 300 hours, and now you know how to do it with uh, 30 hours or whatever. Well, here, here's the other option, though, Ken is. Um... The world is full of uh, people using um, Amazon as a 
a way to uh, do books on demand. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, as an that's ebook, good or but, bad. <laughs> well, I mean, everybody can be published these days. Uh, it, it's, it's your content, right? So, as sure. an ebook uh, publisher, Amazon can publish your book for. I mean, if you had forty pages, it's, it's a book. Mm-hmm. So, is that you know, the minimum forty, or are you just picking that figure out? No, I'm just I'm just picking picking it out of nowhere. But the thing is, once you're published, you're published. I don't care if it's by Random House or Amazon; it's still a book. And the uh, possibility of selling an ebook is is really high, particularly if it's a a niche a niche market. So it doesn't have to be uh, the monumental three hundred page book. As long as you've got something to say, good content. Mm-hmm. Now I bought a stupid book for uh, five dollars. I swear to God, it was the stupidest deal I've ever done. The book was how to make a million dollars selling eBooks. Ah, uh-huh. <laughs> I think this is about ten of them out there. <laughs> yeah, guess, guess what the book was about? How right. to write a book to sell to s- convince people to buy a book for that you can sell for a million dollars. Wow, it was. Like buy my book, you know, write a book like this, and you'll be, and you can sell it and make a million dollars doing it, you know. So just copy, yeah, it's yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just copy it's, buying, give you the rights to it, and put a new name on. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, I've got a different idea for you, Ken, for um, okay. a retired person. All right, this is a really incredible idea, and uh, I had a, a friend who. Retired from a, a national bank in Canada, uh, who had a three hundred and fifty thousand dollar pension. Now that's pretty, that's pretty nice. So you imagine how much he was making before that before he retired. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, triple probably. <laughs> well, I I met him at the airport one day and and we had coffee and I said, "What are you doing these days?" And he said, "Well, I I took a job as the CEO of a." A nonprofit organization. I said, "Well, how can you do that, man? It's how can they pay you the money that you're expecting?" And he said, "Well, since I have such a good pension, I can take this job at the nonprofit for like a hundred grand, and they're getting a world class CEO." Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, like, that's kind of like a pay it forward moment because how many people out there are retired CEOs or senior executives? Mm-hmm. Who can afford to take a lower-paying job just to keep them active and to give that experience back, like pay it forward? Good there's idea. lots. There's lots of people out there, and I think there's a new shift, a new paradigm that's happening, where people are starting to realize there's a lot of baby boomers out there with so much experience. Why aren't they running uh, startup companies? You know, for, I, I believe instead, that instead of staying home and uh, writing an ebook. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, what I've heard, and you probably know figures better than me, but I've heard that most startups now, if they don't have someone 50 years old or older in the group, the, a lot of the investment companies won't even touch it. Uh, There's not at least one older person in their 40, 50. Well, with my new company that we started last month, I sort of say, I, I wouldn't say that's the rationale, but um, 
in my particular case, if we're going to finance a corporation, a startup company, we'll want one of our people in there in a senior position, mm-hmm. like like as chief financial officer or something. If we're putting a million dollars into a company, we want someone managing the money ourselves, and that person would tend to be fifty or plus. But I, I don't think there's a, a rule anywhere that says they want someone with. Uh, age as, as being part of the deal. Uh, I don't know if it was like a written rule, but uh, the article I was reading was saying that they analyzed all the last so many startups and almost every time there was at least a 40 or 50 year old uh, in the mix. So, you know, because they're figuring it, you know, yeah. Well, it makes we sense. Some- you know, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're always suggesting that if you're going to start a company, have a, have a board of advisors who are not the board of directors, but a board of advisors who are experienced. So that makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, again, you could get someone like a, a Bill Gates at a young age doing something, and, and it could take off. But he, uh, someone like him, if he had, and maybe he did, uh, had some fifty-year-olds that were really experienced in business, he might have taken off even faster. Or maybe he had that, and that's why he took off that fast. I don't know. But. <laughs> I, I see the comment. I mean, the young people, here's the problem I think it is, is that most of the people that have suddenly made a fortune at 20, 22, whatever, uh, often have lost it, you know, a few years later because they, it just got out of hand. They didn't know how to handle it when it got bigger or whatever. But most of them, it just seems, I mean, I know most businesses fail anyway, probably in the first five years. But I was just thinking of young people in particular. If they get a sudden boost sometimes, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to make it uh, because of their immaturity. And they think that maybe they know it all. <laughs> uh, you know, they, 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 they get some wrong ideas of why they were successful, not realizing that maybe they were just at the right place at the right time. And there's some, a bunch of people right at their heels and they, but they, they think maybe that they're special or somehow or other. And they, they lose the position that they, they started with. Well, you know, that's, that's really true. And I, you know, as part of my, my coaching mentoring, I always tell people they, they have to have a business plan. They have to have, this is just to work with me. If they want to work with me, they have to have a business plan. They have to have a board of advisors to guide them. And that can be close friends or can be somebody who, who is retired that's looking to advise somebody younger. And, so how uh, would someone set up, how would someone set up the board of advisors? Just let me get clarification there for a second. So friends, but let's say you only have one or two that fit into this category. Where would you get some more? Well, <laughs> friends of friends, referrals. Uh, I had a, I was working with a young couple who are, they just turned 30 and uh, they were not getting any traction going into businesses. They were selling software and the people were saying, well, how long you been in business? And they said, well, just just six months. Isn't that exciting? And it wasn't working for them. So uh, I said, well, tell you what, I've got a couple of buddies. We're all we're all white hairs. Uh, take some pictures of us and uh, we'll write some bios and we're your we're your new board of advisors. Now, the thing is, we meet once a year to have pizza with them, but we're essentially there just just to make it look good. Because right. they, get all, they, they get all the credibility. They don't need us. They just needed 
it's like having an office in a rundown part of town versus uh, an office downtown. All right. Now, board of advisors are normally free, free helpers, or are we talking about paid position here or what? <clears throat> well, I know your listeners are probably saying, I hope it's paid, but, you know, there's two things we're looking at here. Do they want something to do or do they want to get extra income? Um, okay. A lot of a lot of startups will will sort of expect that you're going to do it for free, but part of the deal is that um, as a company grows, the, there is a common thread that people will uh, either get shares of the company or or something for their time. Okay, so you could build be, that in. Yeah, it's not supposed to be free forever. So you could say right from the beginning, okay, I'm looking for advisors and phone the smartest people in town in that field and say, you know, I'd like you to be one of my advisors and I'm going to give you so many shares and if it does go somewhere, you'll make something. Uh, yeah. So that kind of approach. Yeah. Um, so there's no money, just... Uh, and uh, one of my oh. one of my mentors, um, uh, Gord Ross, he was... He was uh, the guy who invented a uh, software called NetNanny back in the 90s, which was the first mm -hmm. software to protect children uh, uh, on the Internet from pedophiles. Yeah, I, I think I heard of it. Mm -hmm. Yes. And uh, he told me one day that uh, you should never think that you can't talk to anybody and ask them for advice. And he told me that uh, one day he uh, his software was doing well, but he wanted to have it put into Microsoft bundles, so he called up Bill Gates. And uh, he got through to Bill Gates' assistant, which, uh -huh. which that, was... That's way up. <laughs> which was unbelievable, because uh -huh. um, obviously the assistant got it through to Bill, and the next thing you know, they're having a meeting in Seattle. Wow. So he always says, you know, never be afraid to call the person you really want to talk to. Because all they can say is no. So for a board of advisors, if I'm going to start a company, uh, say a software company, and I can get Bill Gates on my board of advisors, I should be phoning Bill Gates and everyone like him, because someone <laughs> may pay it pay it forward or whatever. Or is that going a little too far? <laughs> well, that might be sort of pushing it, but. You know, the bottom line is I've just started um, a new uh, business incubator accelerator in uh, Vancouver here. And, uh, I used to live in Vancouver, so I know the area. Yeah. Oh, cool. Well, yeah, we just just uh, leased a, a heritage office down in Falls Creek. Anyway, the I'm in that same boat. I'm um, we uh, we decided to uh, invite ten people to. Uh, a steering committee, we called it, meeting last week. We wanted people that would give us uh, advice on direction and, and see if we're planning our company the right way. And uh, <laughs> out of ten people, I think I got five millionaires that came to the meeting. Nice. And we just offered them free drinks and, and a free dinner at a, at a prestigious club here in town. And um, I don't think they came for the meal. They came because they respected us and wanted to help us. So it was fun. But that's but that was a perfect platform. Just inviting them to a to a prestigious uh, restaurant or whatever in a private yeah. room and uh, that, yeah. It's and, not that uh, that would 
swap them, but you know they they're used to that kind of accommodations, I guess. What would you take uh, five um, former millionaires? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know what they say. There's a lot of those around. <laughs> what they yeah, what they say around here is if you want to be a millionaire or entrepreneur, start with two million. Yeah, you, you quickly run it down to a million. <laughs> Because uh, a lot of people have, you know, in our age group have probably been a millionaire at some point and lost it or whatever, you know, and are trying to go back there. Uh, well, yeah, I wonder how many times I've I've lost. Yeah, yeah, back and forth forever, isn't it? But that's mm -hmm. what makes us run. Yeah. Because that, that would be my boat, you know, <laughs> this up and down thing. But right now I'm trying to plug the holes in the boat. And I think we're, we're starting to move now again. So <laughs> we're going to climb back up. But, uh, but that's this, uh, it, that is life, I guess. I mean, uh, again, you, you, the, the best experience, I suppose, is uh, doing it and losing. I mean, it's not something you're going to forget too soon, you know. <laughs> Well, the, 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 Those new, lessons. the new mantra for business startups in America is uh, is uh, lose fast and uh, yes, yeah, fail, lose, fail lose fast, quick, yeah, fail quickly, yeah, yeah. Because you yeah, know that's you do, good. Yeah, you do. I mean, my first business plan um, was so full of holes that uh, and looked so good that I I secured a half million dollar. Uh, investment in like one day after I wrote this crazy, crazy business plan. And, wow, wow. Uh, yeah, it was, it was incredible. What a ride. First thing I did was I, I leased a sports car in a penthouse <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I, I burned the mo I burned through the money in a year and, uh, lost, lost the whole thing. And wow. it was, it was my first business plan that I wrote and it was the best learning experience ever had because I, I over the course of the next 30 years I realized that uh, you had to do it the right way so well, I you know it's funny I was yeah feel fast but you, you know one thing I've noticed in, in along exactly that line is is that I think of like a ballistic missile heading for a target it spends most of its time correcting itself <laughs> very little, very little bit of the time it's on track. <laughs> I'm going to use but, that analogy if you don't mind. No problem. Go ahead. So it's like, hey, don't worry about it. That's part of getting on track. It's the corrections. In fact, it's a bigger part of being on track. <laughs> well, it also it also sort of uh, tells the tale that um, there's there's no such thing as an overnight success. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I mean, you make. I think you could have an overnight success with a new product, but you weren't just born yesterday either to do it. <laughs> so you might have yeah. had, like you say, twenty other failures. Now you're having an overnight success with this product, but uh, and so it may look like your overnight success, but you've already found a bunch of ways of how not to do a product too. <laughs> I was, uh, you know, there's so many opportunities out there. I was talking to a group of immigrants. Uh, last year and uh this little little old lady in the front row put her hand up and said well you know i'm 94 and uh, i want to start a company and i said well 
what are your skill sets? She says, I don't know. I've been a housewife all my life. Mm. She must be pretty good at it. (laughs) Yeah. And I said, well, uh, in in the area where you live, are there lots of families? She said, well, yeah, of course. I live in the suburbs and I live in a uh, um, South Asian community and there's lots of children there. And I've raised nine children myself. And I said, well, there you go. Why don't you start an after, after school, aftercare kind of thing? Have four or five kids and you just sort of take care of them while their parents are at work. Like after wow. school for a couple hours a day. Well, she got all excited thinking she came to that meeting thinking it was, uh, it was not going to appeal to her, but she found an opportunity. So, yeah, and the age age has nothing to do with it. I, I've, uh, someone was telling me about in Japan. Um, there's this mountain area where everyone left, and they all went to the big cities for the big jobs, and they were just seniors. You know, everyone's seventy, eighty, ninety. They left, and and someone, I think it was from the U.S., came along and said, "Well, what can we do here?" And uh, one of the big things in Japan, Japan is, is they have these different beautiful colored flowers and leaves to decorate. Uh, plates of food. That's yeah. a big part of the thing. In fact, they actually save them though after the rest and they'll take it home and save it, this sort of thing. So in that area, they had all these flowers just growing wild on the mountainside. So yeah. he got organized all these people, created a co-op and uh, they would get an order and say, well, who can give me 20 of these flowers for 80 bucks? And then whoever grabbed it first, they got that deal. Wow. And uh, the one lady he was interviewing, she was 89 or something, uh, She's not doing too bad. Two of her grandkids, she just put $100,000 down each on a house for them, for each of them. Unbelievable. <laughs> so you're, you're, you know, uh, age has nothing to do with it, and, the, and, and the, the product was right there for free on the mountain, on the mountainside. They just had to go out in their backyard. <laughs> it's like those guys from Louisiana digging up that uh, uh, gens- ginseng stuff. You know, there's there's stuff in your own backyard sometimes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There. I mean, again, I guess that's probably the big thing is that someone said to me yesterday or, or a couple of days ago. He said, "Look in your own backyard. What is what? What are people having a problem with? What can't they solve, or what what's bugging them the most?" And you may have an obvious answer that's not a high tech answer. It could be. Well, hey, anyone could have figured it out. <laughs> Looking in your own backyard. I mean, I was looking in my own backyard last week. My wife's been bugging me to move my wood pile that's up against my house uh, for my fire pit. And and I was telling a buddy this, and he said, well, geez, I'll haul it away for you. I've got a pickup truck. It'll only cost you 100 bucks." And I said, really? He said, yeah, I'll even... Uh, I'll even clean up the area after I'm after I've pulled everything out of there. I said, "Geez, mm-hmm. you got it." So what a good guy. <laughs> and he's you know he's he's in good health. He's older and um, uh-huh. the money was great for him. And how much did he make on the wood? <laughs> that was my first thought. <laughs> I think he probably took the wood home. Yeah, he probably sold it for another three hundred. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> He was collecting on both ends. Yeah. Uh, so right. There's there's lots of opportunity out there. You know, it's just a matter of, of of finding, putting your head in the right space to do it, to find it. 
is there if you were to start all over today and you could you know you, you know the world the world is your oyster in, in a sense what right now with the climate and everything that's going on uh what would you be doing getting into the end of times businesses or what <laughs> oh boy you know um one of my buddies i mean he's he's 72 he wants to start a company um i had a client who was doing um who was setting up a business that was doing uh taking care of retirement uh for people like um after they move out of their house and into a retirement home or, or downscale like who takes who sells their house who who uh takes care of all the stuff that's in it you know what i mean mm-hmm. and uh it goes further than that it's like uh working with uh children of of elderly people um all kinds of things related to retirement and he wants to start a company at 72 and i said well yeah we could do that um it's just the the problem with starting businesses at our age, I'm 63, is that uh, we just don't have the same ambition we had back back when we were 20. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, well, I think everyone's different, but yeah, you maybe start to gear down to some degree. You know? I mean, I'm I'm still I'm still starting companies. I started one last month, but uh, do I want to work? You know, 40 hours a week? I don't think so. So. What would I do differently? Geez, I don't know. I'd probably start a high-tech company, and, and this time I would listen to my own advice and have other people run it. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, I mean, this older fellow, you you already know the secret there to make him a millionaire. All he needs is two. So yeah. you, could, <laughs> you could have it up and running tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I could. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, uh, how would folks get a hold of you, and what kind of services do you have? That uh, you know, do you do private consulting, Gary, or a group, or do you have any group things going on, or what? Well, how, how would people get a hold of you? What could they do? It's all Work very, with you? Well, it's all very exciting. I uh, I have a, a course, a coach coaching mentoring business, which is at uh, GaryBizzo.com. That's B-I-Z-Z-O. Um. <laughs> Everything's on there, but I also started this. Like I said, I was starting this company last month, and it's a it's an incubator, accelerator, and financing company. So uh, a company will come to us with a either a good idea or they've been in business for a while and they need su- support and help, and we uh, swoop in and uh, and put them through workshops and training and um, take a piece of the company. So. That's kind of so. Exciting. There's no no cost up front for them. No, there's no cost up front. We just sort of uh, we actually, if the business is really viable, we'll finance it as well. So you probably have a lineup of people that have ideas. <laughs> I well, would think we haven't even got our office set up yet, but it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. And uh, my partner is um, is forty, and. Uh, he came to me and said, I need your experience. So the thing is, uh, I don't think there's a lack of people looking for people like us out there. You just have right. to put your, you just have to be out there out front with what you want to do. And, uh, you know, sitting around on your butt and, uh, and 
playing cards or watching TV is is not sort of going to do you any good. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, yeah, that doesn't help. No, you actually you know, my, have to work the business. Yeah. My my sister and brother in law just retired at. Um, well, my sister's fifty five, and my brother in law's sixty, and they don't want to do anything. They just they just want to now enjoy life, travel, and stuff like that. They've they've put you know forty years into uh, into work, and they're, they've that's it. Don't worry, and, they'll get bored. I don't think so. You know, it's, no? <laughs> no, they moved to a small little hamlet on the on the ocean. They've they've completely changed their life around, and mm-hmm. and, and they, they like look at me and they other... and they say, "You just started another company." And I said, "Well, yeah." I, you know, we're all going to die with our boots on because my circle of friends are are between sixty and seventy five, and they're you know when we when we sit down and have a beer at the end of the day, it's all about business. It's about you know new opportunities and yes. and, and what we're up to next, and it's uh, it's going to be that way forever. It's my dream group. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sixty six, and so I'm I'm <laughs> a, that boat, you know. Uh, I mean, I, I'll be away on an island, uh, where, you know, somewhere, and I'll be under an umbrella reading a, a business book. <laughs> My wife says, "What are you doing? I'm having fun." Okay. Well, yeah. Because it is fun to me, but anyway. Well, my my wife says, uh, "See, I think I only work like fifteen, twenty hours a week. My wife thinks I work about a hundred. Oh. And apparently you know all this stuff like this interview and uh all my social media stuff apparently that's a job mm-hmm. i don't see it that way <laughs> right, right right like a business now, a business meetings work to me but you know here's what i'm excited about now all my listeners most of them well, no, they're all over the world but say probably most of them are u.s uh and canada maybe too probably but uh with your incubator, accelerator, uh, and financing, yeah. are you willing to uh, meet American? Like some of my listeners might have this next, uh, you know, breakthrough idea. Uh, are you restricting your incubator to just uh, Canadian companies or or anybody? No, the world is is the oyster, as they say, and um, uh, good ideas can't be held up by borders. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Good. And, and you know, there's what we're doing is not unique. Uh, I, I there is one aspect of it that is unique, and that we're we're offering workshops in uh, strictly uh, business, like very basic business courses, as well as high advanced uh, venture capital courses. But mm-hmm. a lot of the incubators in the U.S. and Canada don't offer the basic skills on how to run a business. And we're going to do that. But and are those are those free, or do they pay for those? Uh, it's subsidized, so um, we're st- mm-hmm. we're still working on the business model. We'll probably have a sponsor that will will pay us to produce workshops for for startup companies. And and so, you know, uh, the, typically the business incubator accelerator is is for high tech companies with twenty uh, year old employees or owners and we're going to do it differently. We're going to, we're looking for the ideas and it doesn't matter if it's coming from a 90 year old man to a 20 year old woman. So 
And it doesn't have to be a software program or something. No, no. Our first, we like I say, we don't have an office, so we meet in at Starbucks. That's our office right now. Mm-hmm. And we met our first uh, possible client is going to be a clothing company run by a couple of thirty-five-year-olds, which is not usually the standard uh, company that uh, an accelerator would take on. All right. So if Gary, someone has an idea and wants to send it to you, he would send it to, to GaryBezo.com? Is that where he would send his idea in? Yeah, just uh, you can find me, my contact information there, and just, uh, you know, open the dialogue by, by sending me an email. Mm-hmm. It's uh, CEO at GaryBizzo.com. Okay. And, uh, and I can sort of chat with them and give them some guidance. I mean, hopefully I don't get a thousand people sending me emails, but you know, there's going to be. Some. <laughs> well, how far do they have to have this idea developed? Uh, or or well, if it's just still in the ether level, that might not be good. <laughs> well, you know, everybody needs a little bit of direction, and uh, um, sometimes, sometimes an idea on a napkin is the best idea so going. Okay, all right. It's just you um, know, typically when you're starting a business, you need to have a few things in you know in your in your pocket that you can sort of go with. Um, now, what about protection, Gary, for you or the person? Because a person could send something in, you already knew the idea, so now they're going after you because they think they gave you the idea, or, or the other way around. So is there, do you do, you do some kind of agreement uh, before uh, well, asking it, something to be revealed to you so you don't get into any legal legalities later? <laughs> well, uh, you know, that's a good point. Um <laughs> patents and, and trademarks and all that stuff are are valid protection points, but at the end of the day, if you don't have the money to defend it, it's worthless. But right, having, right. having said that, anybody who sends me anything, um, op- we open the dialogue first to see what 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 they're looking for, and then I send them a non-disclosure agreement. Okay, that's okay. standard. So there there. Yeah, there's, yeah, that's standard for me. I I. I prefer to keep everything on the up and up, and it just makes people feel a little more comfortable. Right, and, and I think that's a good idea. Uh, it just makes a lot of business sense. But as uh, this fellow I interviewed, he's got several companies around the world. The other day, he's got a $20 million company in Australia and a few other countries. I was talking to him in Hong Kong interviewing him, and he says, Ken, uh, forget contracts. He says, all the business and stuff I'm doing – uh, it's really a sh- handshake these days because you can't enforce anything, especially if you're in Hong Kong. <laughs> so you better be dealing with people who are honest because you're not you're not going to get any satisfaction in a court of law. You're gonna you're gonna have to find people that are solid that you can trust. And he says we're going back to the handshake. Really, this world. This is what his opinion was. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, uh, in Canada, um, a friend of mine. Um had an agreement with somebody and they broke the agreement and he had to take them to court because it would have set a precedent. So at last count, it cost him a hundred thousand so far. And it's, it's over, uh, it's over, um, an infringement that, that shouldn't have happened. So, uh, yeah, it's just ridiculous. So, um, yeah, everything I do is really by handshake. Yeah. Cause that's really the the honesty of the person, you know? Yeah, the con- co- contracts will always have to be done, but 
Um, somebody told me the other day that anybody asking for a non-disclosure is, is um, probably naive to think that that's protectionist or protection. Right. I, I think, I mean, I, I would say like this fellow was saying, um, it, and you do, you do need an agreement in writing so you know both what you agreed upon so that later your handshake can go back, the fact you're both honest with each other, you can go back and say, oh, okay, I missed that or I forgot that. So at least you had something in writing and you know what you were agreeing upon, uh, as opposed to trying to enforce it by law, but just, well, just, you know. This happened the other day to me, actually. Uh, one of my companies, we uh, hired a marketing team, and uh, they uh, they recalled the conversation a little bit differently than me. Right. Except that uh, in the beginning, I had set up a, a letter of mem- a letter of understanding. It's it's mm-hmm. also called an MOU, a memorandum of understanding. Memorandum. Yep, memorandum. And it it sort of outlines uh, I'm going to do this, and you're going to provide this. Right. So. That was invaluable. The other op- the other thing was I recorded the whole thing with my iPhone, so you know they okay, were Okay, so you had a double yeah, so there wasn't any <laughs> <laughs> Unless that wasn't you I was talking to. <laughs> I, I uh, guess this is well, after I after I fired them and uh told them they could whistle for the balance of their contract, they sort of uh-huh. threatened me like crazy and I said, Well come on over, I'll I'll play the tape for you. We'll play it for the judge and see what he says. <laughs> <laughs> that was some wisdom there to put that in place. All right. Well, I mean, this is fantastic. I believe, Gary, that there's there's going to be people that do have ideas, and they'll give you the basics of it, and then you say, oh, I, I'm not interested in any pornography thing or whatever. <laughs> yeah, well, wait something a minute. crazy like that. <laughs> oh, wait, maybe you would be. Okay. <laughs> But whatever, you get the basic idea of what are their ideas, and then you can say, oh, yeah, I'd like to hear more or no. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, uh, uh, nobody wants to be waste their time wasted. But certainly, uh, if I have any I- ideas, maybe how to improve it or to send them somewhere else, I can certainly help them. I've got a statement on my wall here. It says, all that is not said is lost. And I, I live yeah. by that. So, uh, you know, if you keep it to yourself... You know, you'll never know if it was a good idea or not. It gets buried with you. And that's unfortunately <laughs> with a lot of listeners. They're going to go to, a lot of them are going to go to their grave with what they know because they were afraid for other people to maybe use it. <laughs> you know, so they, they're, they've they gone too far the other way where they've never told anything they figured out. So not, the world never benefited and neither did they. So there is well, a, you know, that extreme. You know, a friend of mine had a, his father was 85 and he, uh, he came to me and said, look at my dad wants to, uh, he's got this invention. It's a book. It's a way to read books better, like a book stand. <laughs> and I said, great. He says, I want his book to be in stores before he passes away. I mm-hmm. said, what a great idea. So we worked on it and we got the damn thing in stores and, uh, nice. it was, and uh, yeah, before he passed away, so he was. It was the proudest moment in his life when we we had a picture of him next to this this uh, display in a store. You know, it was his accomplishment. Wow! As simple as uh, it was, it was an accomplishment. But it was a a front page story for a lot of people. I think that would would be what a great newsworthy uh, story, you know, for for yeah. newspapers, magazines. You know, never thought of that. Thanks. Yeah, that was a good one. 
Yeah, that would I would think that would be super. Um, again, I've had some ideas where I mean I came up with a recent one. I was promoting lawyers, and I took one in two months. I took them from zero to sixty-five thousand a month. Uh, oh, slowly. But which which you know it takes ten years normally, but I figured out how to do it. Uh, but then sometimes I've had trouble collecting, so I've come up with another idea that would make six million a month. I think, but I'm thinking I don't know who I want to entrust it to. <laughs> <laughs> but you, know, you get burnt a little bit, and you think, wait a minute, no? So, you know, some of the things I thought of might go to the grave with me. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Well, you know, there's, there's, you got to sort of trust people. I, That's true. I'd, ra- yeah. I'd rather be burned than not trust somebody. That's true. Yeah, I I have to get over some of, some of that uh, anxiety I have. Uh, so, uh, Six million a month sounds like a good deal, though. Yeah, I think it is. Now, of course, I don't know. I don't know the, the the legal ramifications of my idea. If there's something in there that might be a little in the gray area for for the law, <laughs> but I, once I disclose it to someone, they'll certainly let me know. <laughs> By the way, I've got uh, I've got a website for sale called pot pot dot com. It's only you can wow. have it five million. That's it's yours. Wow. That, that's no, really, clean. do you have that? Yeah, five million Canadian. Oh my God! That's so only... there. That's what. What's that? Like two million American now? Or <laughs> <laughs> it's something like that. It's something like that. I know the dollar's been getting killed there. I realize. Hey, well that'll change. Don't worry. Remember the Canadian dollar is worth more than the American there at one point too. So well, <laughs> go with for the other. week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for a week. <laughs> but yeah. it did happen. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll keep the uh, pot dot com in mind. Uh, I'm sure there's someone that would want it. I mean, wow, what a... I mean, really, let's face it. That is uh, an incredible uh, name, man. I think lots... It's it's not my personal... I don't really own it. I just... You know, I'm just marketing it for somebody. You mark... Yeah, okay. um, All right. It's a... Well, my listeners, who knows? You may be getting a call as soon as we get off the phone. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they have to smoke some before they do that. Maybe. I don't know. Oh, good. All right. So, any last words of wisdom for the folks out there? Uh, this is fantastic. This whole incubator. But w- any last things you'd like to say to the to the people? Yeah, I think it's really important if you have an idea to um, you can go to any bank and download a business plan template. Just by looking at the headings, you'll get some great advice on what you need to do to set up a company. Sometimes uh, it's a little daunting, and if you need help, it's always important to ask for it. All right. Perfect. Okay. Well, thank you, Gary. Yeah, you've it's, been more than generous with your time. And it's been a slice. Thanks so much, Ken. It's been fun. All right. And I hopefully I'll talk to you in the next few months or a year, and we'll find out what three other new companies you started. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime. Anytime. Thanks, right. Thanks, sir. Okay. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Income for Baby Boomers with your host, Ken Queen. Helping boomers like you get a business started you can run from your own home. We interview owners of both online and offline businesses, but most importantly, ones that are run by baby boomers. Stay tuned next week for new and exciting businesses that you can start from your home. Until next time, have a profitable and blessed week.